Welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. If you would please open your Bibles. be 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 and you may already have noticed in your bulletin that that I've titled this message Jesus loves the little children and it is the apostle Paul excuse me the apostle John who uses the term children in his three short epistles he uses the term 18 times to endear the recipients of his letter, uh, and it is there where he also describes them as little children. But that's never made in reference to age. Rather, little children is a metaphor that John uses to express his concern for them and their spiritual health. They are in spiritual infancy, they have not yet become mature, so he is, he is asking them as little children uh, to be to be complete in Christ and continue to mature. Uh, they're new to the Lord. And in 3 John verse 4, he states, I have no greater joy than this, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So John is, is checking up on those who, who remain in a vulnerable stage vulnerable stage of spiritual development and, and until the day when we see Jesus face to face uh, none of us will fully complete our our phases or our process of Christian development yet there comes a time there comes a point where we ought to develop and become mature we ought to become mature in Christ uh, Hebrews 5 verse 13 states for everyone who partakes only of milk, is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. So, little children mature through the word of righteousness. It's also referred to as the word of God, a theme that Paul is going to continue in our passage next week. Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity. So every Christian will pass through stages of development, and we should, or at least we better. Uh, the Apostle Paul remarkably had to confront a spiritual train wreck that he had derailed the church in Corinth. He found himself having to rebuke those childish, carnal Christians by saying, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, writes Paul, for, re for you were not able to receive it, Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. You're still carnal. It took them way too long uh, to develop and mature in Corinth. Uh, 
Now, we need to exercise a little bit of grace here. But think about it. Think about uh, when it comes to digesting doctrine. Partaking in spiritual milk in infancy, that's perfectly okay. That, that is perfectly appropriate to partake of spiritual milk. In fact, it's, it's an essential stage of spiritual development that we have all passed through if we know Christ. So it's a, it's a good thing to drink a little milk. But folks, we should not be nursing the bottle when we're 40 years in Christ. In reflection of the metaphor, you know, how long should it take for a newborn babe, thinking physically now, how long should it take for a new babe uh, to be weaned from its mother's breast? Not all that long, right? And let's be gracious, it's surely less than a couple years old. But if you were to see a mother breastfeeding her four-year-old child, what would you think? You would think something is not right with this picture, right? Conclude something is wrong. Therefore, as I read to you 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, this will be beginning in verse 7. Realize that this passage describes a period of Paul's interaction with Thessalonica that was earliest in their spiritual development. This describes early on. And this section describes a church way less than a year old. Thessalonica was a a recent new birth that church there. Uh, So we see why Paul uses images of a nursing mother and an encouraging father. This he uses when he's recollecting or asking them to remember uh, his earliest experiences with them. There exists an early stage of spiritual development when we recognize that Christians, they're going to require a little bit of extra nurturing. Because Jesus loves the little children. He loves those who belong to him. And we are each in various stages of maturing in Christ, as I stated. Uh, It's one of the reasons that in sermons, we, we always have to revert back to some basic doctrine each Sunday. Some basic understanding uh, to reach back and reinforce simpler doctrine. And we who are here who are more mature in Christ, we who, who have known him for a long time, we're pleased. We're pleased to be able to nurture the new believers in our midst by restating core beliefs time and again. Bringing them back time and again uh, for those who have joined us that maybe aren't quite as mature. But a sermon also needs to stretch us. And Paul has just stated in verse 6 that as, a, as an apostle, you know, he could have made some demands on them. You know, exercising apostolic authority, it would have been entirely acceptable. Entirely acceptable, but he didn't do it. Why didn't he do it? Well, because like 1 Peter in chapter 2 describes, they were newborn babes longing for the pure milk of the word. Therefore, in verse 7, Paul writes this, 
but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how we devoutly and uprightly, uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Does Paul anywhere in this passage suggest that they should, these Christians should never grow further? No, clearly not. Uh, does, he, does he state that, you know, I promise to, to always nurture you continuously on and on as, as infants? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. In fact, in this same letter, Paul is in the latter chapters, and then in 2 Thessalonians, he's going to begin to issue some demands. But to begin with, he says, you know, remember back when you were new believers? When we first came to you, I didn't put you under a heavy burden. We didn't, we didn't pile a load on your shoulders, add a lot of stress, nor did we issue demands that, that might cause some of you to, to lose heart or maybe even question our motives. Instead, we were gentle, writes Paul. Uh, so he says, uh, we started off with a, a little bit of spiritual milk, and we, we stirred in some of that good Hershey's chocolate syrup in there, and we made it really good for you. And, and uh, we wanted you to know just how good the taste of the Lord is. Just how good it all tastes. In fact, during our scripture reading, this is exactly what Peter said. He said, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So, if you have tasted how the Lord is good, if you have tasted His salvation, His goodness, this suggests that this is actually, if you are saved, then prove it. Grow. Mature, as any child, any normal child uh, partaking of milk would. Early Christian conversion, early doctrine that we share with new believers ought to solidify in the heart that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And we who are more mature should display a special patience with them, a concern for their spiritual vitality. 
Those who are, are new converts are only little babes in Christ. To make a lot of weighty demands upon them. It, it, could, it could serve to make them a little suspicious about our motives. It might, it might cause new Christians to lose heart. You know, this is especially true when it comes to things like, like money. Paul had just stated to the Thessalonians in the passage we observed last week, you know, you have seen it with your own eyes, how we are not like the others. We did not come as men-pleasers, offering empty flattery in order to take advantage of you, nor did we come with a pretext for greed. God is witness, right? That is true. We said, you know, yep, put your wallet right back in, back in the pocket. Put that away. We don't want your money. We want your love. We want you to know that, that money isn't the reason that we've come to Thessalonica. Nor was it to make heavy demands. You know, Paul didn't, didn't pass a collection plate across the noses of, of the newly born again Christians. These are ones who Christ deeply loves. He loves them enough to shed his own blood on a cross. He loves them so much. And Romans 5 verse 8 declares, well, this is a good definition of love. The world will tell you what love is. This is what the Bible says love is. It says that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. Paul didn't exploit spiritually vulnerable little children. He knows that Jesus loves these little children. Now, does that suggest that Paul or the other apostles, that they never expected them to grow in knowledge and discernment and devotion to Christ? Oh, surely not. Surely not. Um, in fact, during his initial time with Thessalonica, you might be impressed to learn that, that Paul was not exclusively working side gigs. He was also receiving mission support from a church that he had recently planted back in Philippi, the Philippian church. It, that's true. That's true. In Philippians 4, in verse 14, this church in Philippi had a, had a little more time. And in Philippians 4, verse 14, Paul commends those Christians in Philippi. Remember, we met, met one of them last week, the Philippian jailer. There's another one there named Lydia. She was a, she was a person who made purple fabrics. And, and these evidently had progressed to eating some meat. Those in, in Philippi progressed to meat eating because Paul writes by thanking them, saying, quote, You've done well to share with me in my tribulation. You yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, 
For even in Thessalonica, says Paul, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift myself, uh, or the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Since they had matured, Paul not only accepted money from the Philippians, he commended them for supporting, financially supporting his gospel ministry, his preaching ministry. Why did he do that? He said, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 14, it says, the Lord Jesus directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. This is Christ's command. So Paul, he, he happily embraced financial support from Christians who were mature. It was Paul's right to receive such, uh, such support. But when he was out at the front lines, the front lines of evangelistic ministry, planting new churches, where no one had planted churches before, Paul said to Corinth, I refused to make full use of that right among churches like you. You who are carnal, you who are behaving like spiritual infants. And when Corinth, when Corinth failed to spiritually mature uh, to their shame, Paul, the apostle, belittles them in this way. He says, I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. Wow. Paul and all of the apostles insist that there is a point when Christians ought to grow up. Even get their wallets out on occasion. And later, Paul makes some pretty stiff financial demands of the church in Corinth, first Christian church in Corinth, and he does so on behalf of others. Um, by the way, what does all of this say about a church that, um, what does it say about the spiritual maturity of a church that does not financially support their missionaries or their pastor? They're infants at best. They don't eat meat. In fact, some churches will use passages like the one we're looking at today to suggest that, you know, well, churches shouldn't have to pay a pastor. They say, our pastor should be like Paul and provide for himself and his family through side hustles like Paul did. But that is not even remotely what this passage nor the Bible teaches. It is surely not what the Lord Jesus taught. Not at all. And personally, I, I believe there is still a place for tent-making missionaries. Those who work to support their missions. But I would rather, personally, I would rather, like Philippi, be 
commended by God for financially supporting those who are in that work. I, I don't believe the Bible leaves room for tent-making pastors. At least for those who are in established churches. Those churches that are established and mature. In fact, I would think that a pastor would have to think little of his own gospel preaching and little of the spiritual maturity of his own congregation to not expect them to embrace the privilege of partnering with the same gospel message which he preaches. I couldn't have preached this last week, could I? We were going into a budget meeting. And a missionary, speaking to those missionaries who are in the field, or a pastor, ought to have a genuine concern for the eternal rewards that are going to be transferred to the heavenly account of their donors. Again, Paul said to Philippi, you've done well to share with me and I do not seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. That's what Paul's concerned about. He's concerned that they actually have something in their bank account when they get up into heaven. These are the type of passages they, they really are, these are the type of passages that challenge us all to become mature and begin to grow up. I told the youth group just a couple weeks ago, and, and this is sincere. A significant, a significant part of God's calling for a pastor, a significant part of my personal calling is a deep concern to protect God's little children doctrinally and how we must all grow up together and a particular concern that each one of you receive your reward in full when Christ comes. Because he says he is coming quickly and my reward is with me, says Christ. Pastors have a, a great concern for that amongst their flock. That each one is participating in the ministry of the gospel. And our accounts in heaven, they grow. They grow when you and I mature beyond spending money on fleeting pleasures. When we, we mature beyond things of the world, and our accounts grow, it occurs when our wallet finally gets sanctified along with the rest of us. That happens through sacrificial giving to ministries. Um, that includes giving to our missionaries, giving to our partner ministries, giving to the relief of impoverished Christians, brothers and sisters overseas, sending our teens to summer camp, giving toward the maintenance 
of this property and the ministry which we share locally concerning everything that we do at Port St. Lucie Bible Church, concerning everything that we do here. We, we are very transparent here and concerning everything we do at Port St. Lucie Bible Church. I have no hesitation whatsoever inviting everyone here to join Rita and myself in giving towards it. It's the work of the Lord. We mature in Christ and we give to his work. Um, it's a very emotional thing for a pastor. It really is to see how far a church can come together. It, it, it's true. Uh, we're not nursing babes anymore. I can see it. We paid off our debt last year. We approved a few significant adjustments to our budget uh, last Sunday, some of which make, will make some notable improvements to the property over time. You know, I, I know that our faith is not vested in a building, but boy, Christians sure do like meeting inside. There were compensation enhancements, which I must state how sincerely grateful I am to this congregation. And approving a budget can be emotional because it places the pastor in part on the receiving end. And as far as the vote goes, uh, in the elder board we always say a pass is a pass. If it passes, it passes. How far or how well it passed isn't crucial. In fact, we don't normally draw attention to the margin. It just passes. We just normally just announce that it passed. Uh, but I'm told, because I don't count the votes, I'm told by those who counted the votes that for the deacons, the budget, the constitutional revisions, it was all unanimous approval. That, that is significant to me as a pastor. Uh, it suggests we're on the same course together. We're maturing together. And that doesn't occur except by God working through all of us together through his word. When Paul first arrived in Thessalonica, they were not yet at a level of maturing where Paul was issuing them demands. A shepherd of God's flock doesn't like doing that. He, he would much prefer to nurture God's children with the milk and then the meat of the word. Uh, and when doing so, he expects growth. And I've seen that growth. It's humbling before God. And Paul sees that Thessalonica is growing. You know, it, it broke Paul's heart to have to write Corinth in the way that he did. It broke his heart. He tells them in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that I became your father through the gospel. Shall I come to you with a rod? Or with love and a spirit of gentleness? You know, it hurt Paul deeply that Corinth had become a problem child. No pastor wants to see that. 
But by comparison, Thessalonica had started well. And now Paul has received news that they are continuing to mature in the gospel. And therefore, we're going to observe a little later in this letter, Paul suggests now is the time. Enough time has passed where everyone needs to get together and work. Everybody needs to contribute to the ministry of that church. And it's time for all the Christians in Thessalonica to put themselves in a position where they can both meet their own needs and also meet the needs of those others who cannot. In fact, much later in 2 Thessalonians, Paul's finally going to issue some demands. And they will be demands to a small faction, a small faction who are doing no work at all, are just acting like busy bodies, says Paul, and to them he will say, if anyone is not willing to work, then neither shall he eat. That was just a small number of people. This was a healthy church. And here in verse 9 he says, it's, it's time now to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And quote, you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day is so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God, uh, you know without charge. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. And he could tell them, You know how we did that, right? Paul could say to Thessalonica, do you know how we were able to treat you so devoutly and not make any demands of you when you were new in the Lord? Paul could reply to them, it was Christians in another church that joined me financially to make all of that possible. Boy, does this reveal the urgency and the need to support foreign missionaries faithfully? Very much so. You know, many of the missionaries can't even get work authorization in the countries in which they visit. And they don't want to charge the new Christians uh, in the places that they go. They want to offer the gospel like Paul, you know, free, without charge. And who nursed Thessalonica at first with the word of God until they matured to where they could begin to feed themselves. And that didn't take long for Thessalonica. It did not take long. This letter is probably written within a year of the founding of Thessalonica, probably within a year. And chapter 1 already revealed how the news of their strong faith and how they had turned from their idols. They had turned from their idols to serve a living and true God. The news of their faith had already spread to the surrounding churches in Macedonia. What a commendation for a local church. 
They jumped right on it. They're walking in a manner worthy of God, and this is a model for a healthy church. It's healthy church growth is what it is. Well, I have no idea what their numbers are. It's impossible to know how many people were attending the church in Thessalonica, but it's impossible to measure the spiritual health of a church by simply counting its numbers. It's John MacArthur who once said, God isn't going to count the disciples in your church. He's going to weigh them. Yeah. He's going to weigh them. Have they matured? My old pastor, Tom Nelson at Denton Bible Church, uh, he used to say, we want our people fat. Faithful, available, teachable. We want fat people in our church. And people indwelt by God, they, they shouldn't perpetually remain infants. And the reason that we see Thessalonica putting on weight and growing is because they have progressed from milk onto meat. It's a healthy church. It's a healthy church. Just a couple more things um, we should gain from this passage before we depart. Um, one is that Paul's nurturing them as a mother and encouraging them like a father, their spiritual metaphors. Their spiritual metaphors. Uh, the fondness that is described in verse 8, that fondness was displayed through Paul and Silas imparting the gospel of God, imparting the word of God, and sharing the time of their lives. That's fondness. That means that Paul and Silas invested in Thessalonica by nourishing them with the word of God as a mother nourishes the children. And, and this is the intent, intent of the image of the apostles as they use uh, that, that metaphor of nursing. Nursing supplies the pure milk of the word. And the metaphor ends there. The encouragement and imploring in verse 11 that comes from a father, it's also a spiritual metaphor uh, by, that is done, achieved by employing the word of God. So doing so gently and tenderly with the church in Thessalonica was by not making premature demands that they weren't ready yet to receive. That's being gentle and nursing, things they weren't yet able to bear. But we want to be careful to not conclude that Paul uh, you know, physically caressed them like a mother would a nursing baby. You know, you know coddling and burping and you know, caressing them. That, that is not the picture intended uh, with the nursing mother. It's not the picture intended here. Uh, I, I have heard sermons where it is misinterpreted to suggest that that Paul was some kind of kind of weakling sissy 
Yeah, that he, that he, he burped the little children in the church and played goo-goo-ga-ga with them or something, you know. Um, Paul was not a weakling nor a feminine kind of man. He was not. He was a very, very strong man. He received 39 lashes for the gospel on five different occasions. Three times he was beaten with rods. And, and the pastor and preacher of a church, uh, which scripture requires to be a man, he's not to project himself as would a, nur- a nursing mother. You know, femininity and weakness in the pulpit, it has, been a, it has become a contributing factor to a lot of older men and young men refusing to attend church because they don't want to sit and sit for an hour and watch a grown man apologize for what the word of God says. Paul was never feminine, nor did he be- behave effeminate. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he, he says that those who behave as such are not uh, inheriting the kingdom of God. Like Jesus, Paul's a man's man. He's a man's man. He courageously confronted error. He labored earnestly night and day for the gospel. And Paul and Silas proved to be men of God who are masculine and mature. And amid much tribulation, they went church to church preaching the gospel and confronting error everywhere. Folks, that is the way anybody ever gets saved, by preaching the Word of God. It's the only way anybody is ever born again, by hearing the truth of the Word of God. That's going to be our topic next week. Let's pray.